I'm Kelly Harrell, author, animist, and creator of the Weekly Rune. Solentent Arts is my soul-tending practice, and you're listening to What in the Weird, my podcast in which I talk about runes, actionable animism, soul-tending, and how all of those intersect through sacred activism on my path. The Weekly Rune is out, and if you're not sure what it is, it's a runecast that I've done for years, focused on the runic calendar and the current half-month rune. The Weekly Rune is now available in full on Patreon.com. Just do a search for Kelly Harrell to find it, and you can find the archive of all past runecasts on my site, soulintentarts.com. If you're not sure what a half-month is or what the runic calendar is, Listen to the early episodes of What in the Weird, or just go read the weekly rune. It's explained fully at the beginning of every runecast. I want to thank everyone who listens to the podcast, those who send in notes. I always enjoy hearing from you and how the runes touch your life. I also want to thank my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the runecast and this podcast possible with their financial support. If you've benefited from the podcast, the RuneCast, or the ton of free articles on the runes, animism, and soul-tending on my website, you can show your support through buying my books, which you can also find at my website, soulintentarts.com, by making a one-time contribution through PayPal, or contributing regularly through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and search for Kelly Harrell, and you can also subscribe to the Weekly Rune there. And thank you for it. In this episode, we are focusing on Raido, which is the current half-month rune. And most often we discuss it as travel, which in terms of how humans move through space and retain the memory of how we did so, that means how we tell our story, which matters just as much as how we shape personal truth, which was the focus of our previous episode. I decided for this episode not to talk to you about the deeper implications of Rai, though, because you can read those. You can read those in past iterations of the Weekly Rune on my website, and you can find the current Weekly Runecast on Patreon. You can find the summary of it at Soul Intent Arts also. What I'm going to do instead is illustrate Raido today by reading to you part of my story, which is from my first book, Gift of the Dreamtime, Awakening to the Divinity of Trauma. And I have to say, I'm ever so grateful to Lorna Tedder of Spilled Candy, who was the first publisher of this book for giving it access to the world, and to Christina Pratt, who wrote the beautiful foreword that's in the second edition. And you can find Gift of the Dreamtime on Amazon. You can find it on all online platforms. I chose to read this particular part of Gift of the Dreamtime because I wouldn't tell this story the same way today. My relationships to the beings and concepts in this story have changed. I have changed, and that's the whole point, isn't it? That we hold our stories loosely and let them grow. We, we experience them as life force, as beings who have their own agency to shift and evolve. 
So Gift of the Dreamtime is my autobiography, and I'm telling you this story to express both my love and discomfort with it. I'm above my upper world, across the rainbow bridge, waving in the clouds. I've been taken by a messenger, some guy in a crisp brown business suit, to meet my higher power and find out why I chose to be mortal again, why my creator needed me to return. I intend to learn the purpose we decided I would fulfill by my living. It's a logical progression for where I am now, it seems. Cayuk walks with me. Simon and Alucius are always near. The tribe always has a book or two for me to gather. And I know bits of what I'm to do here, enough to know I don't know enough. So today's the day. I'm going to meet God. A great marble stairway rises out of the clouds and floats on nothing. Humanoid figures wait at its base, standing guard, I guess. Another form is on the bottom step, an animal, though not one I recognize, just because I keep my distance standing a few feet away on a landing. Maybe I'm doing something wrong or I'm in the wrong place, wrong frame of mind, because my higher power isn't here. I hear no trumpets, see no light streaming down, no procession or cherubic choir. I've gone through a lot to be ready to learn my life purpose. Just getting here was a big production, climbing above my upper world, crossing the rainbow bridge, traversing more clouds to keep up with the suit, and God's not even here when I get here. The messenger led me to this place, so it must be right. Pacing, I look for something to happen in God's reception area. Out of the corner of my eye, I see it's now a dog. The animal on the steps has shifted into a dog. As I watch, it becomes a young Hindu girl dressed in a sari. A gold chain loops her crown, tipping almost to her bindi. She smiles at me, then becomes an old man of 60, maybe younger, wearing layers of robes and dusty sandals. That feeling comes, the one that starts on the back of my neck and crawls up my scalp as I realize that this shifting form is God, and he's been here the whole time I've fretted his coming. It can't be, but it can, it is. He's really old and rumpled around the edges, but sort of glowing and exactly like everything says he is, commanding and Serene, although I never read that he shapeshifts specifically or that his ambassadors are men in well-pressed brown suits. And everything I thought I knew is wrong. Those old tapes playing in the back of my mind about repentance and falling on my knees and punishment and rewards. To even think those things in the presence of this odd changeling standing before me is ludicrous. His hands are folded in supposition at his waist, patiently waiting for me to do something besides stare with my mouth hanging open. I don't feel any pressure to do anything, though. I, I can just study him, and it's okay. This is my God. I was more afraid to meet Cayuk. I'm not afraid of him at all, now that I know who he is. Watching him watch me, he has no expression on his face. How do they do that? Elucius, Simon, Kali, their expressions can appear so perfectly still, blank even, yet they project so much. With him, with God, I feel perfect love. Not a lover or a parent, not a teacher or a guide. It's all of those and more at once. 
He loves me infinitely. And because of that love, I wanted to come back to live and do something useful with the life he gave me. I stepped toward him, finding my voice. I've come to learn my life purpose, why you sent me back. He speaks clearly and without inflection. You are an example of one who lives with grace. Well, that was easy, and I'm flattered. I take a deep breath, pondering his words. I do live with grace, balance. I like to think that I do in my way, honoring all that I am, my connection to all that is, the universe, God, keeping myself in balance and healthy, the knowledge of all being well, no matter what the circumstance. I think that's living in balance. I think. No sooner have I begun to unravel my own state of existence when he says, but you don't just live with it. You're willing to die for it, to suffer any consequence of being true to yourself. That is balance. Because if I don't, I'll die. I don't know where that thought comes from, but it follows his words like a promise, a vow. He stares at me, and I know that there's more to this, so much more than me learning my purpose. Being true to myself, I've never equated with balance or God. They're both such charged concepts, and my beliefs about both have changed so much. I equate being true to myself with survival and healing, not my spirituality. So then why do I hear myself saying, but they'll kill me? Then why do I rush to him and throw my arms around his waist, sobbing? I'm thoroughly embarrassed by my display, but not embarrassed enough to stop. I should be grateful to have my purpose all spelled out, but I'm too frightened to let go of him to be thankful. All I know is I never want to go back to waking or walk on earth again. I don't want to leave him, and I don't know why, and I don't care. Everything is silent except for my strained sobs. He strokes my hair, and nothing in waking has made me feel so safe. Ah, but he was ready for this, for my outburst. He saw me coming, because he says calmly, You are to teach the people how to find their own balance, to be true to themselves. He can't be serious. Yeah, he can be. I've known I'm supposed to work in some healing capacity with people my whole life as some sort of counselor, therapist, or recently a spiritual teacher. Why am I rejecting that notion now that it's confirmed? Why am I suddenly so afraid of knowing my purpose? What is it going to require of me? I stand and back away from him, not feeling very safe anymore. I've had my fill of compassionate protectors with tough love comfort. Angry, I look him straight in the eye, and as callous as it feels, I say it anyway. I'm not Jesus. Again, with no inflection, no emotion, he says, yes, you are. You all are. I'm numb hearing this, the implication of his words appearing to me as one of his on a cross, another sitting still and silent under a golden tree, countless others starving in the presence of feasts, burning alive for the state of perfect balance, for the state of knowing their purpose and despite despair, fulfilling it. None of them do these things because their God tells them to or because they won't have a God's love without it. Their passion for their purpose of living in balance is beyond the mere love and devotion to a deity. It's a devotion to peace and happiness that only manifests by being true to themselves, each self, which to God is the ultimate fulfillment of the ultimate purpose. 
I should be so dedicated, so at peace with myself that I could fulfill what I told God I would, not just out of duty to him, but out of my own desire. Can I do that? Can I be so true to myself, so graceful that I would risk everything in my life to remain so? I have a hard time believing that if his others knew at the inception of their lives that they were going to be killed for living in balance, that they would have still done it. This is why you sent me back, I say. Why did I want to come back? More visions come. I'm a young boy, maybe 15 in a short white toga. I'm lying on a chaise in a sunlit marble room, somewhere above everything, talking with God, jotting notes in a little steno pad. God's different too. He's younger, maybe 30, but still dressed the same as he is now. I eased up to the edge of my seat, elbow draped over the arm of the chaise, and I speak to him. I want to teach him from my own experience, from knowing my life for myself. I hear this boy that I am say, I know that it will mean pain, but I want to experience all of life. I want to reach out to people from a place in common, not in theory. God leans forward in his seat, his face smiling mere inches from mine, and I hear him agree. The others knew they were going to die, and so did I, in every one of those other lives as a shaman. I slumped to the cool marble under the weight of this information. How did I get off track? What made me this woman who was afraid to go out from her God and fulfill her chosen purpose? With the callback comes the answer to my own question, and as the drum beats furiously, I know that I've never been off track. It's all been my own learning, gaining experience, even this search for my purpose. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Satisfied with what I came for, I rise from the floor and thank him as modestly as I know how. As I begin to descend the rainbow bridge, I hear him call after me. You don't have to seek new experiences anymore. You are true to yourself. Your experiences are enough to teach others to find their truths. I nod and thank him again, turning to hurry over the bridge. And again he calls, Kelly? Yes? Happy birthday. 29 today. My birthday has long been framed with complicated symmetry, and as I open my eyes on the place at this moment in my life that I've chosen to be, I think this may be the most complicated. Thank you for holding space for my story. And I hope that you will hold space for your own story and feel free to share it with me if you feel so led. I'd like to close this episode with the Raibo Half-Month Affirmation from Runic Book of Days. The story I tell, the story I live, create the story I am. That's it for this episode. If you have questions or insights about working with the runes in season or you just need a cheerleader, feel free to email me at kelly at soulintonarts.com or call in through the Anchor app, which you can download for Android or iPhone. Also, check out earlier episodes by downloading them from Google Play or iTunes and all the other podcast platforms out there. If you get a chance, check out Everyday Animism, which is a podcast that I co-host with a couple of other lovely ladies, also on Anchor. 
and other podcasts you might enjoy are Around Grandfather Fire, hosted by James Stovall and Sarah Odinson, and also Why Shamanism Now, hosted by Christina Pratt. You can learn more about me and my work by visiting solentonarts.com or on Instagram at Kelly Soul Arts. I'm Kelly, and this has been What in the Weird. Thank you.